Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga-A to Fugazi. Joining me today to discuss K-Y-E-O from 1991's Steady Diet of Nothing is Colin Mack, a fan of the band and uh, someone who's been a fan of the podcast from pretty much the beginning, as, as far as I can remember. So welcome to the show, Colin. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for participating here. And um, on the Facebook group, uh, you've I, I'm pretty sure I've read your name aloud in many episodes uh, in the past as you've contributed some comments, of your thoughts about various songs. So thank, yeah. th- I think that's a nice part of the of the show to have is just like some <laughs> people's opinions other than the two uh, people who are talking at the time. Yeah. And actually, I was listening to the, the podcast uh, this morning, Hello Morning, and uh, I got another little shout out in that one, too. So that was fun. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we are we are recording during the Super Bowl. I won't get sued if I say that. Right. I don't have to say the big game. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone's going to notice. Yeah. <laughs> I guess neither of us are too huge of uh, of football fans. I didn't even it didn't even occur to me when I contacted you to schedule this. Like I completely forgot the Super Bowl was happening. So <laughs> I'm glad you're up. Well, for it. and yeah, and for the listeners, I'm located in Maine, so I guess I should be rooting for Tom Brady, but he is he is playing in Florida now. So that's how ignorant I am at this point. I had heard he was playing in the Super Bowl, so I was like, okay, Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. So I had to be <laughs> I had to be informed he was no longer with the organization. I know, we got a little spoiled up here, but, uh, you know, such is life. Well, it's that time. You kn- you're you a listener to the podcast. You know exactly what time it is and what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, Colin Mack, how'd you get into Fugazi? Yes, so I, I think I was a sophomore in high school. So I think this would have been, I'm a little younger than than, than you and probably some of the listeners. So I, I am, uh, as of right now, I'm 30. So when I was a sophomore, it would have been 2004 or 2005, I think. And so I had a, a class, it was a speech and debate class. And I think at this point, I had already, I had started a band with two of my buddies, uh, a punk band. And so I was sort of in the music scene, like in my school. And there was a senior girl in that class who I kind of, kind of had a little crush on. And she knew that I was sort of in the music scene. I think she was music scene adjacent also and she uh she ended up burning me four different cds to listen to and I, I remember it vividly because each cd had two cds on it and so i i remembered seven of the eight albums and i'd like to go through them now because i still listen to a lot of them and as a 14 or 15 year old they were super impactful for me so we got first off we got fugazi steady diet of nothing which is kind of why I picked or, or chose a song from that that album. Uh, Farrakhet, uh, View from This Tower, yeah, nice which is one. Another, dis- another Discord band. Uh, La Tigra, their self-titled album. Mm-hmm. Hot Snakes, Suicide in Voice. Oh, yes, I like that one. Uh, the self-titled album by Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the <laughs> Is that the one that got like a, a 10 on Pitchfork and it was really the talk of the town for a little while? I, th- I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also had uh, Apple O by Deerhoof. Yeah, okay. And then and then Signals, Calls, and Marches by Mission of Burma. Man, I, I would have had a crush on this girl also. She has good taste. <laughs> I know. So that was seven. And I'm, I'm kicking myself because there must have been one more because I remember... It was two CDs on on four on four blank CDs. So there's one more that I'm forgetting. So it must not have been that important. Now, um, it's, it seems to me a girl won't burn you four CDs if she doesn't kind of like you. Did did this go anywhere? I have to know. <laughs> it did not go anywhere. I think I think you know her being a senior. I think she went to obviously she went to school after uh, after high school, but. Yeah, no, it didn't go anywhere, and it, that's fine. That's, that's all right. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not pining over her still. So, yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's I, I just have regrets over um, missing obvious hints when I was younger. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So obviously, the most important one, or the most impactful out of that bunch, was was "Steady Died to Nothing" by Fugazi. So that was my introduction to the band. Uh, your 
one of the unfortunate cases of somebody who got into the band too late to actually see them live. So my condolences on that. I know it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that I got into the band, you know, three years after they sort of, I'm using quotes, but broke up, Yeah, went on, went on hiatus. So yeah, it, it's kind of a shame, but at the same time, I got to, I got to, you know, digest everything sort of all at once. I didn't have to wait, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bummed that I never got to see them live, but at least there's plenty of videos out there. Yeah. And you were, you said you were in a band at the time. Did you continue to be in bands and were you like influenced by this sort of early exposure to Fugazi? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So the band that I was in, we were, yeah, a punk band. Um, it was three of us. I played drums. Um, we had a, my, the bass guitar, he also sang, and then we had a, a guitarist I'm, I'm still friends with both of them today. Um, we were a little more, we were a little different. So we were a little more like eighties punk. I would say I wrote down a list of some bands that we either covered or were sort of influenced by. So that would have been bands like the adolescents, uh, JFA youth brigade, uh, Reagan youth, bad brains. Uh, I really liked state of alert or SOA. Right. And then uh, the, the subhumans also. Cool, cool. Are, are you in a band now? Not right now. I, I haven't been in a band in a while. Um, and in fact, I haven't even played drums in a little while. But yeah, it was something something definitely fun that got us through high school. Uh, you know, we didn't, obviously we didn't like go on tours or anything like that. But we played a lot of garage shows, basement shows, um, a few benefit shows, you know, sort of things like that. But yeah, yeah, that's great. It's been a few years for me too. I miss it. It's like, uh, it's at some point there, like a day comes and you're like, huh, it's, I haven't played a a music in front of an audience in, uh, several years now. It's, it's weird. Hope it happens again sometime. I'm sure it will. Well, awesome. Let's talk about K-Y-E-O. Sure. It's, uh, as you say from the album Steady Diet of Nothing, it's the closer of the album. And um, yep. I think any song that closes a Fugazi album is kind of a special one. Like I can't think of one that I don't really like. You know? Yeah. Um, they were they were good at sequencing their albums that way. I don't know if I have much to say by way of introducing that song, um, other than <laughs> sometimes I wonder. You know, I I was thinking about it as I was planning to do this episode. Like is. Sometimes I wonder, is the name of the song really K-Y-E-O or is it Keep Your Eyes Open? Because it was always, always introduced that way when Ian was uh, was saying what song they would play next. He would, he never said, we're going to play a song called K-Y-E-O. He said, we're going to play a song called, and then he would scream, Keep Your Eyes Open, right? Yeah, it, it's almost the same idea as, you know, the song's called Great Cop, not You'd Make a Great Cop. You fucking pig, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true, and uh, you have to wonder why it was abbreviated like that for the title. Like they could have, they could have done that with any of their songs that are more than one word, right? But they didn't. Right, right. And I, I even wrote down a little note to bring up the fact that you know we you talked about it in the uh, Facet Squared episode, but that you know the flags are such ugly things. That sort of uh, is it you know, the anagram for that. They So it seems like something that they're, uh, you know, they've done before in the past. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. That, that did, or I guess this would have been the first instance of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would have been the next, next album. Um, I, I mean, yeah. Speaking of somebody who's been in a band, I think anytime you have a song that's multiple words, uh, in the title, when you make a set list, you are likely to sort of initialize it like that. Um, of course, yeah. for Fugazi, that wasn't really an issue because they never played with set lists. <laughs> so, yep, so exactly. that theory doesn't necessarily hold water, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's just something they would jot down for like, um, you know, early days practicing together or, you know, practice tapes, writing labels on them or something like that. I don't know. Um, something else is that I've, I have heard it said, uh, I believe some people in the Facebook group maybe commented this that KYEO is like military slang, a military acronym. 
And oh, interesting. And that would have made sense, but I was unable to find any kind of citation for that. I was like googling all kinds of keywords to try to find, you know, KYEO military, KYEO Vietnam or whatever. I I just couldn't find anything to to back that up. So, if anybody out there knows for a fact that it it is something from the military, uh I guess, you know, email me and and let me know that citation. I'd be I'd be interested to find that out. Yeah, it certainly sounds credible, but I hadn't heard that before. Those aside, uh, let me toss it to you, Colin. What do you think we should talk about first in the song, uh, music or lyrics or anything like that? Some of my initial thoughts, um, I, I wanted to point out, it's it's actually the shortest final song on an album of theirs that I that I could see. I just I looked through their you know their normal discography and uh, everyone. I mean, this one's under three minutes, and it seems like everyone else is at least over four. Yeah, it's sort of like a sharp little punctuation mark at the end of an album. Yep, yep. Hmm. Does anything jump out to you about the the sonic qualities of this song? Um, I mean, sonic qualities is yeah, that's and that's a conversation in and of itself of uh, of steady diet and nothing because a lot of people I know have issues with the the sort of sound quality of that album as a whole. Um, I like it. You know, I don't. I don't find it too jarring, but compared to some of their other works, especially Repeater before it, Repeater to me sounds so punchy and so dynamic. And this one, I know they they sort of mixed it themselves, but yeah, this one just it, it is a little muddled. Everything sort of seems just like flat. Yeah, uh, you know, especially the guitars. But this one, it starts off with. Uh, I believe it's I believe it's Gee playing the the starting line. I could be wrong. Yeah, no. From it seems from videos that I've seen that he is the one who played this live. Although it really yeah. sounds to me like on the record it's double tracked. It has that chorusy uh, uh, sound to it. So yeah, uh, whatever it is, it's uh, I would put money on it being two, at least two guitars layered over each other. Yeah, but this one, I mean, it's it's a good balance of everyone in the band. I think um, this has some great, some great Joe Lally bass lines in it, in my opinion. It's a, it's the classic th- Joe style line, isn't it? Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of mission mission of Burma, who I mentioned earlier. Some of, some of it I can just picture on like a mission of Burma song, especially even from uh, signals, calls and marches. I think that's something maybe about the production value too. Um, I, I, I think I always found Mission of Burma to be a little bit stark sounding in the same way that Steady Diet is. Yeah. Um, something also that I was thinking about since I did the last episode on a Steady Diet song is, I mean, one th- one thing you could say in favor of the production style is, you know, something that people say about punk music in general is that it gives people this feeling that like oh i could do this i could write a song like this i could play a song like this and with steady diet of nothing the production style is like oh i could make an album like this like it's not right (laughs) you know one thing about albums that are produced and recorded extremely well is that it's like it seems like magic it's like how do they sound so amazing this one i to me it doesn't sound amazing but it does sound attainable so uh, yeah, that is something to be said for it. Yep. And I was listening, you know, as a, as a drummer, I think the drums in this one are, are fantastic. I mean, there's not a, not a song of Fugazi's that I think the drums are bad in, but yeah, this one, it's got some great, great Brendan, uh, you know, action, especially on like the ride symbol. Like when that comes in, um, a little bit into the song, I think that that part is just great. I love it. Yeah, I I always like to talk to drummers about Fugazi and asks is is there a specific way that Brendan or you know Fugazi in general influenced your playing? Um, yes, I think so. Brendan has it sounds silly, but he just has a lot of like swagger, and I feel like confidence. You know, I actually I, I rewatched uh, the instrument documentary this morning, just preparing for this. And I can't tell you how many times it's like once or twice a year, I'll go back and that video of them playing uh, shut the door live, that sort of improv yeah. like jam that they do at the end. 
once Brandon starts, uh, Brandon starts playing, uh, you know, playing around on the kit and incorporating the bell and, mm-hmm. and Guy and Ian are just like wailing feedback at each other. I mean, I go back and I watch that like twice a year and just be like, wow. <laughs> it, Cause it's just, he moves around the kit just so well and just so confidently. And I don't know, it seems effortless on his part. That's that's one of the songs I really remember when I was in high school sort of learning to play bass and learning to play guitar that I would put on that song shut the door and just sort of try to jam along with it and come up with some ideas on the instruments probably because I had seen them doing that in instrument and just being blown away by it in a similar way. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, in in KYEO it's um yeah, classic Joe baseline, and it, it's it's a baseline that of course takes center stage after that uh, the intro music because of course the guitars go quiet while yeah. <laughs> while Ian is singing about how things are quiet. Um, I I don't yeah. know I don't know if that's a coincidence or if it was planned out like that, but yeah, for that like entire verse, it's just bass and drums, which is yeah. it, like it's cool per se. But it's also, I think, especially cool as a live song. And as as we've said before in the podcast, you know, Fugazi was primarily thinking about being a live band. And it's yeah, it's one of those great things. You give you give the crowd like this full throated intro and then the guitars drop out and uh, it's it's like a tension building moment as Ian singing the verse and uh, everybody's everybody's dancing during that verse, but also waiting for the, the really loud part to come in. So uh, it's a great live number in that way. Yeah. And I, I have a little bit of a theory behind that. I don't know if you've noticed or, or have listened through any of the other live recordings or watched the videos on, on YouTube or anything like that, but it seems like almost in every instance that they play this live, he actually repeats the, like the first four lines of the song. Yeah, yeah. I was just listening to, I think it was uh, one of the Roseland shows, 1993 New York, um, w- yep. where they did this. And yeah, he. I'm pretty sure he did it at that show for sure. Yeah, I'm wondering if, we, we mentioned earlier that it's the shortest, like, you know, final last song on an album from them. I wonder if they're just sort of extending it, you know, to be a little more impactful. Because once it gets going, it really gets going at the end. So I wonder if it's just, you know, they want to sort of bask in that moment a little bit. Part of me always wonders looking at how how hard they worked on stage live. Like, I wonder if they ever sort of strategically chose songs where they could have a little bit of a breather from time to time. So it's like if they play KYEO and they extend the verse, uh, they at least there's a little while where Ian and Gee aren't... Uh, screaming and and playing guitar they get to take a few breaths as a as a drummer i have to sympathize with brendan at that point because he's still (laughs) he's still keeping that beat and and so is joe you know doing that that hi-hat stuff i remember that was the hardest part of being in like a a fast punk band was i mean you have to train your 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 forearms and your wrists because you're you're playing on the hi-hat or the ride cymbal you're playing all these 16th notes all the time and it's yeah. just you can cramp up so easily you know songs like i always watch like if they play bed for the scraping like that intro live sometimes ian will just you know he'll he'll make it go on for like a minute and i'm just like oh man poor poor <laughs> brendan <laughs> like come on get on with it i know <laughs> brendan's like all right band meeting after the show we got to talk about this yeah and i wonder yeah, I wonder if Jerry Busher being later on, if that had anything to do with that. Because I feel like he, Jerry Busher, he came on for those songs like, you know, Arpeggiator or um, Number Five. It's like, those are such drum-focused songs. I'm like, I wonder if at a, at a show, it's like, you need you need some relief. Yeah, that I guess I never thought about that before. Um, yeah, <laughs> that would be a fun use for a second drummer. <laughs> it's if, like you could sort of trade off uh, verses or something. Exactly, yeah. So talking about that lead guitar line, you know, you we had watched, both of us, uh, before uh, we started talking, we watched this performance, a very early performance of what turned into 
this song, right? Was there, uh, it was their second show ever, right? Um, I don't know if it was the second show ever, but it was the second, according to the live series website, it's the second instance of KYEO oh, being oh, oh. played live. Got it. Yeah. And of course, um, Guy is not playing guitar and it lacks that lead part. Right. And exactly. I, that's such a key uh, piece of this song's evolution to me. Like that line is really important in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it was the it was the December third, nineteen eighty seven show at the Wilson Center in Washington D.C. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean the funny thing about that lead melody line is it's not um it's not anything unpredictable. It just sort of follows the chords. Uh, that that Ian is playing. It's just those condensed down into a single note line played high up on the neck. Um, but it really, uh, I don't, I don't know. It really emphasizes uh, something about the song, and it's like the tonality of it is sort of laser-like. Really cuts through. It's it sounds like a laser gun to me, sort of. Yeah, and that's always how I don't. I forget where I've heard that, but or maybe it's in the instrument documentary, but it's always been, you know, Ian has this chugging woody guitar and then Guy's guitar sound and playing is always just like a laser that just cuts right through everything. Yeah. It's, um, so, so the evolution of that going from no lead line to, to, uh, a lead line that is like simple, uh, conceptually, but so effective. I think that's, that's a real sort of teachable moment about, how to make the most of having two guitars in a band. Um, there, there are a lot of people who, when they start playing music, aren't sure how to navigate that, and they just sort of are playing the same, more or less the same thing at the same time, and sometimes just only succeeding in muddying up the sound mix. Uh, but this is a great example of how to really exploit that second guitar and make it, I mean, it, to me it takes the song miles ahead uh, of what it was before yeah i would Um, agree uh i think another thing that we have to mention uh talking about the music is the little breakdown part toward the ends yep that's that's another great addition like it's one of these things that's not that not that a song that's under three minutes is in that much danger of getting boring but it certainly adds an element of excitement and um it's it's one of my favorite parts of the song, really. Yeah, they they play with dynamics so well that it's, you know, it can go from bombastic to kind of calm and and come right back up. And yeah, they they do it so well. And I think it's I think it's um, I actually can't remember right now if if both guitars and bass come at the same time. I want to say the guitars start and then like really shortly after the bass comes in with its own little uh, part in that breakdown. Um, but either way, it's like yep. it's a great little bit of harmonizing they're doing together. Really like that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, Joe comes in after just a bar or two. Yeah. But what does it mean, Colin? What does this all mean? <laughs> so I, so we talked about how, yeah, it looks like they debuted the song in October of 1987. The The video that I sent you was December of 1987, the second time they played it. So in my opinion, you know, a lot of people talking about the lyrics think they go immediately to Gulf War. And I think I think maybe it's just more written in a general standpoint. Um, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Um, well, the the second word in the song is troops. I mean, usually that refers to military but to be honest, I always, I always read this as about police and domestic disturbances. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's just, especially something that's swimming around in my head, uh, you know, in the years 2020 and 2021, um, because it's on my mind. But I, right. I can't help from like just thinking the song is about that um also i think it has to be mentioned that this song like on the steady diet of nothing tour was uh basically dedicated to rodney king and um so 
I mean, I, I really think it works both ways, but I've, yeah, I've always primarily read it as a song about the police. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think troops could probably be interpreted in, in a variety of ways. Um, but yeah, it could be police. It could be actual military troops. It could be, you know, politicians for all we know. And if it is about police, uh, the word troops could be sort of a derogatory way to refer to the sort of militarized police presence that we've just seen steadily on the rise for as long as I can remember. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so I guess specifically when I think about this song, I'm thinking of a period of domestic unrests such as the Black Lives Matter uh, protests that were happening. And yeah, the troops are quiet tonight, but it's not all right because they're planning something. And the whole song is really, it's a song about the calm before the storm, right? Exactly. Have you ever seen in a, in a movie or on TV, a character will say, it's quiet, too quiet. <laughs> yep. Right? It's, yep. It's, it's an old saw at this point. And I was thinking about that earlier today and it occurred to me, I bet if I search online, I can find a super cut of, you know, a hundred times this was said in something. And sure enough, like I found exactly that and I'll, I'll put that in the show <laughs> notes, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a trope at this point and it's been parodied several times, but yeah, this song is basically that in song, in song form, I would say. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the most, the most, the, uh, or the best example of that is the, but silence is a dangerous sound. Yes. I mean, that, that sums it up right there. Yeah. And, and I guess usually in, um, the context that surrounds it in a movie, like the classic thing is like all the birds go silent and that means, yeah. okay, something is amiss in like the natural world even is, uh, ill at ease right now because of this sort of like palpable tension that something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Did you happen to notice, um, I was looking at the artwork for the actual album mm-hmm. and it looks like after every, after every track, they have one short little line from each song. And this one is, this one, it has the silence is a dangerous sound. So I'm wondering how they pick that or if it's just that line is the best summation of this song as a whole or the idea that they were going for. It's, yeah, that's hard to say because there are a few great like slogan type lines in this song, right? Oh, I mean... Ian's the best at it. <laughs> he is. I mean, we will not be beaten down. Like, that's that's an incredible, like, last line of a song, last line of an album. Um, it's yeah. that's that's the kind but, of thing but, that you could like get tattooed on you if you're a huge fan of Fugazi. I think it's a very tattooable line. And also, yeah, I mean, just keep your eyes open. Um, itself is is that exactly? Yeah, and it's interesting too. They the song has keep our eyes open. Keep yes. your eyes open is, is not, not mentioned like that in the actual song, just the title. Yeah. It's second person versus uh, first person. It's, I mean, and I mean, of course, for people who listen to this podcast, it's my sign off line, right? At the end of every episode, I say, <laughs> you know, keep your eyes open. Uh, like to me, it's, you know, apart from the context of this particular song, it's it's almost the ultimate advice in a way, right? It's like saying that out of context is a piece of advice that basically trusts you to act with your best judgment, right? It doesn't it doesn't tell you what to do once uh, you have seen something. It it trusts right. you with what to do. It just says it just reminds you to be aware. It's like something right. sometimes I imagine, you know, years into the future when my daughter goes off to college or to travel abroad for the first time, like what will I say to her? You know, I'm sure I'll be so nervous, but like I think that sums it up like <laughs> I can I can picture like the last thing I say to her is, you know, keep your eyes open and you know, you've <laughs> you're like you you have your wits about you. You've You've been raised uh, the best we could do, and now you just have to remember, uh, you know, look out, keep your eyes open, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 four words, but it's it's impactful and powerful. 
It it also occurs to me that that line, keep your eyes open, could simply be taken to mean stay alive, right? Like, I know you can you can die with your eyes still being open, but still, you know, uh, <laughs> keep your keep your head above water, keep your eyes open, sort of like lines that it could be akin to each other. Yeah, I um I have the lyrics for repeater pulled up the uh the third verse in that song always kind of reminded me of this one or i guess k-y-e-o reminded me of this one the the lines did you hear something outside it sounded like a gun stay away from that window boy it's not anyone that we know Mm -hmm. that kind of reminds me of of this song you know keeping your eyes open being weary about your surroundings and and what's out there um I, i just thought those two sort of small verses kind of they kind of remind me of each other yeah i guess there's something similar in this song right like get off that hang don't wait for that bang um i'm, I'm not i'm not totally sure what the first what get off that hang means yeah i tried i tried googling that and the only instance i could find was this song maybe means like stop just hanging out there in a dangerous place get somewhere safe before something bad happens that's the best i can do with that really yeah the next little stanza is kind of interesting too the tools they will be swinging the fools they will be screaming i was interested in your opinion like what are the tools and what are the fools here i don't know in my mind i immediately go to like an actual tool like i I just keep i close my eyes and i picture like a hammer or something but i I mean the tools could be anything it could be political tools it could be you know, weaponry, it could be whatever the mind dreams up, but for some reason, that's what I go to first. Yeah, same here. I, again, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, riot police with with uh, batons, basically, like, swinging yeah. wildly at the, at the crowd. Yeah. And, but I think, like, the bigger question when I imagine that is, what, what does Ian have in mind talking about the fools that will be screaming? Like, uh, that could also refer to the people swinging the batons like they're fools and they're screaming at people and beating them. It could also refer to maybe the fools are uh, people protesters that are too foolish to be prepared for the onslaughts of the riot police. Um, and, and that's why we should be prepared and keep our eyes open and be ready for this sort of thing. Yeah, hmm. I, I think, I think you're right. One, one tiny little thing which is, uh, I think I noted this in the Down City episode, uh, just the simple phrase, not all right, is featured in, in both songs. Um, it's like maybe even too small to mention, but for some reason it always stands out to me. It's like, oh, same same little two-word phrase from Down City. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been involved in some sort of like um, protest or face-off with police or anything like that? I have not, to be honest. I uh, no, I, I can't think of any sort of encounters I've had with with law enforcement. Besides, you know, I live by a beach, and you know, the, we have the occasional bonfire down there and get shut down sometimes. But no, I never had any any bad interactions with uh, law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, I've I've taken part in a protest here or there, but it's never the kind of thing where it's like marching up to a line of riot police and like yelling at them so um i i can't exactly put myself in that situation but god i've seen enough footage in recent times to like feel like i know how that feels at least exactly yeah how about the line still uncertain like it's a whole song of tension right it's the whole thing is looking to the future it's also like it's also a song that implies a past also right because the troops are quiet tonight sort of implies that there has recently been action happening sort of right. some sort of strife and conflict but tonight the troops are quiet uh, but we're looking ahead to the future they're planning something still uncertain sort of does both of those things at the same time right that the word still implies it's been going on for a while this uncertainty and the word uncertain implies that there is some sort of finality that is coming down, coming down the pike, um, and we are right now caught in the middle, and that's where this song takes place. In a way, it's it's a very vague line, um, but 
the way it's sometimes when a line like that is repeated several times, it sort of hammers home that this is this is important for some reason. You should be paying attention to this. So I guess it's it's one to think about. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that's the case. It's, you know, you always feel like there's something coming down the line that 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 could be something bad. Yeah, if you're a certain kind of person, um <laughs> definitely. Are you an would you say yeah. you're a you're a pessimistic person? Um no, I I mean I'm pretty level headed. Yeah. You know, I, I can be pessimistic, but I can be optimistic too. So I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I and if, I don't think you have to be pessimistic to have that point. Like you can be generally like optimistic, but still acknowledge. Look, there's always something bad that's going to happen. Like there are going to be good things, but there are always going to be bad things, and that's like that's why you keep your eyes open, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Something else is like the the words of the song go along with the performance in certain ways that I like because, of course, as Ian is singing, we must, we must, we must. Gee chimes in. So as, as soon as Gee chimes in, it's more of a of a we happening. So that's a nice little part of this. One other thing I like in that way is when, in the first verse, things have settled down, down, down. Well, he sings the words down, down, down in like a descending melody, right? The notes are going down. Yep. Yep. So always like that sort of little uh, trick happening in a song. Yeah, I've always been curious about how many songs are they have appearances by both Guy and Ian in it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not uncommon, but I always feel like it's more common in the in the early songs. And I yeah. haven't <laughs> I haven't done like the like the analysis of all the Fugazi songs to actually find that out, but it's it's just a feeling that I have certainly the the little call yeah. and response thing they had. Yep. Yeah, and, and there's probably more than than we would even realize too. Probably studio tricks or something like that. I think that the only lyric we haven't really focused on it's what once was promised now will be. Right? See what we see. What once was promised now will be, which is like almost biblical, right? Or yeah, <laughs> or from like Lord of the Rings or something like that. What once was promised now will be. It's like <laughs> the prologue to some sort of uh, epic fantasy movie. Yeah, it's something you'd see in like a a movie trailer. And again, maybe that's like the powers that be have said that they will will not tolerate dissent and they've promised that. And uh, that's the plan they're putting into action right now as the troops are quiet tonight. Could mean something else, but that's that's my best stab at it. I think that's a good stab. We were talking about live videos and I found it surprisingly hard to find many videos of this one. Were you searching for that too? Of them playing it live? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I didn't find that many like individual videos of them, but sometimes I, you know, since since your podcast has come out, I've definitely searched YouTube, and I'll actually sort by how long the video is, and that's how I usually find some, you know, hour-long live videos of them playing. And usually it's, if, if it's a song I'm looking for, it'll be buried in, you know, some video that has a hundred views and it's, it's impossible to find, but <laughs> that's a great tip. Actually. I'd never thought to do that. I didn't, I, I'm not sure if I even realized you could sort by length of the video. So thanks for that. That's going to be a good research tool. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to help. Um, you also, before we recorded today, you sent me a few covers that you found. Would you like to sort of summarize those and, uh, the ones you that stood out? Yeah. The first one is by, it's on YouTube as not Fugazi. And that one, that one was pretty good. It's, you know, it's definitely like studio quality. The, the actual camera work is really good too. That's right. Yeah. I I thought they did a good job too. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't super keen on the the vocalist, but everything else was, was pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll I'll have to look up more performances by them. Um, don't know about the name though. It's sort of like a low effort porn parody sort of name. (laughs) <laughs> let's see what else we there was the um well there was one by fugulele upcoming guests i'm gonna get those guys on the show at some point uh but oh, they're, nice. they're yeah, all was... ukulele cover well all ukulele yep. and a, and a drummer yep that was interesting hear that lead guitar part on a on a ukulele that was <laughs> that was cool and there was a you found one that was by a school of rock yes it's 
It's on YouTube as KYEO by Fugazi by School of Rock Seattle. Yeah. And I would say they're probably, they look like they're maybe 17, 18. The, like the, the singer does, the bass player looks much younger, right? He's, he looks <laughs> yeah. like a, looks like a little 14, 15 year old or something. Yeah. And actually I'm looking at it now the, the drummers looks pretty young too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. I, I bet probably most people listening to this podcast have seen the, the school of rock that did uh waiting room and, and possibly yes. have an opinion on that. But yeah, I, I had not seen this one before. Uh, by... Yeah, this one, I mean, when I found it, I'm not going to lie, expectations were a little low, but I mean, these guys crushed it. They, yeah, not bad. It's really good. It's it's one of those funny things where like the guitarists are both playing these really metal looking guitars. <laughs> so, so you're like, yes. okay, what's this going to be about? But no, they, they seem to really like the material and they do a nice job with it. So yeah, hats off to those kids. Yes. My, uh, our band, we, we played, uh, uh, a show at our, I guess it was a talent show at our high school, and we played "Kids of the Black Hole" by the Adolescents. So, nice. Uh, you know that probably uh, changed some minds uh, of fellow students in school. Yeah, and I mentioned it. I mentioned it in another uh, uh, the, the the Great Cop episode. But the band that I was in, we played, we covered Great Cop at at only one show, uh, and there is a video of it somewhere. But it would it would have to be uploaded to YouTube. But yeah, we played. At my insistence, we played Great Cop at a at a show, and it went over pretty well. Yeah, people were digging it. That was, yeah, that I mean that that song is pretty fast, and that's that's about it, you know the kind of speed that we were playing, so it it kind of fit in naturally. Did uh, did your band introduce it the same way Ian MacKay would introduce it? Uh, we did not. We did not. <laughs> Chickened out. <laughs> Well, should we uh, head over to the social media comments uh, if there's nothing else you wanted to get in there about the song? Yeah, no, let's do it. Cool, let's see. We have uh, Phil Corey who says, Where do I start? Still powerful 30 years later. I'm constantly baffled that people have bad things to say about Steady Diet. Jay Ryan says, The tools they will be swinging always struck me as a somehow unfugazi-ish line. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I... I wonder in, in what way would that be unfugazi-ish? Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll think on that. <laughs> Sean Caldwell says, coincidentally, I was listening to Steady Diet earlier today. It's a solid closer that sounds as urgent and necessary as its directive. Matthew Parrish says, one of my favorite Fugazi songs, maybe one of the first mid-tempo melodic anthemic punk songs. I feel like this song paved the way for bands like Hot Water Music. Yeah, I can I can see that. Do you like hot water music? I don't have much hot water music uh, experience, but I'll have to check them out again. It's cool. Yeah, um, fuel for the hate game. That's a it's a pretty good record right there. Mm. Um, ben Traub uh, says, kind of a nod to the naming of the band by using very specifically American war slang for a name of a song. The way they named the band. I think of this as one of Fugazi's true identifying songs and statements. Yeah, again, uh, citation needed. If you Ben, if you have if you have a specific link or anything to show me, I'd be really interested to to see that. The uh, uh Habits says surely an anthem for the ages and one that traces back to the very origins of the band, both because of the warlike imagery the song title and lyrics evoke, much like the band name as Ben Traub points out, but also because the band played it live as early as October 1987, at least as a work in progress. It's interesting as well that those early live versions of the song musically differ distinctly from the eventual studio take. Nat Dykeman says, I love that you started signing off with this. A million years ago when I first started using email, I closed all of my emails with KYEO. That's <laughs> that's interesting you say that. Like as soon as I read that, I was like, Did I did I used to do that too? I might have. <laughs> it seems like the sort of thing I I might have done, but it might have been so long ago that I don't remember at this point. When when I first started using email and instant messenger too, there's a there's a little technology I haven't thought of in a few years now. <laughs> but yeah, there were these little things that you would <laughs> try to insert in there to give people a glimpse at your personality. That might be one of the things. I don't know. Had it in a in an away message or something. Yeah, exactly. You remember. <laughs> You remember. I remember. I, I grew up on yeah, I grew up on that. <laughs> it taught me how to type. That's what I always say. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thankful to uh good old AOL Instant Messenger for that. 
Yep, me too. Rudy Baines also says I may be looking a little too literally into things, but given that it is a military-slash-war phrase and steady diet of nothing was recorded during January and February 1991, I tend to look at its context, uh, add it in context to its place and time. I wonder if the troops being quiet tonight is a reference to the relative quickness with which the American military had just conducted the Gulf War in January of that year. Um, yeah, to, to butt in here, yeah, you mentioned this before. It, it it sort of makes me wonder, like, yeah, of course this was an older song, but you know that always makes you think, well, why if if they'd written the song earlier, why didn't they record it earlier? Maybe it's the kind of thing they never felt they had totally had a grasp on until now but it could be the sort of thing where you know recent events made them i don't know look at the song in a new light and decide that it's like an important sentiment that deserves to be on one of their records yeah i think that's certainly true and you know we know that they 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 did that sort of thing i mean look at songs like furniture or um you know hello morning anything off the furniture ep or Anything like that. I mean, they had stuff going back from the 80s that they didn't get recorded until the 2000s. Back to Rudy Baines's comment. He says, uh, perhaps Ian is saying that he knows this is just one piece of an ongoing military-industrial complex and that even though the war ended, it's not all right because we know they're planning something. Then there's the understanding that these things can pop off at any time because the planning happens behind the scenes, making silence a dangerous sound. So it is up to us, the voting populace, the involved constituents of our leaders, the activists to keep our eyes open to the political activities that ramp us up to war so that we can work against it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We hadn't really um, uh, looked at this through the lens of it being a song, a, a political song, basically, about geopolitics and about the American voters' responsibility to um, to the world, basically. Um, Ian Mackay has said before in interviews that I've seen is like he's basically a one issue voter he like will vote for the president who is least likely to get us into a war as Americans we might deserve whatever terrible president we bring on ourselves but the rest of the world doesn't deserve the consequences of uh, whatever terrible president we select who enters into some ill-advised military conflict so I think there's really something to that yeah and I, I always felt like with Ian you know I always go in, in in my mind, I go, you know, he's so prophetic. I mean, so many of his lyrics are applicable to things today. I'm like, how did he know? And then I think to myself, everything is just cyclical. I mean, the issues that were going on in the 80s and 90s, they're still happening today. So as much as I'll give credit to Ian, I think it's just, it's just these things just keep happening and happening and history is just going to keep repeating itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one more comment from Pete Fraser says, I think this one, along with Latin roots, are the tracks my brain springs to in bafflement when people, including members of the band, say they don't like the sound of Steady Diet. That bareness and sincerity is so much a part of the sound of this album to me, it sounds like them. That giant dynamic drop just before the last section is just pure Fugazi, and I love it. So, speaking of loving it, how much do you love it, Colin Mack? Tell me in a segment that we will call Ratings. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? And in this podcast, we I always ask my guests if you could rate this song on a scale of one to five stars, only in the context of all other Fugazi songs. Uh, how do you think this one stacks up, Colin? Um, it's pretty high. I, I'm going to go with a decimal point because I think it, I think it deserves it. I can't go, I, I can't round it off as as evenly as you might do, but I think I'm going to do a 3.9. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's not quite top tier Fugazi for me, but it's so close. It's, it's really, really good, but it's not one of the ones I go to in my head immediately as being like, that's the one I wish I would see live. That's, you know what? I was coming into this segment ready to call this a four-star song. But, um, you know, I don't know if anybody has rated a song on this podcast a something point nine before. So I hadn't really considered that. But you know what? I think I'm going to join you on that. I'll, I'll say 3.9. Um, it's like maybe Thank not you. quite a four-star song. Um, as much like... I as I said I like the lead line I like the dynamic um the, the the little breakdown part toward the end maybe part of me feels like at at its heart this is uh 
this is one of the early um, simple Fugazi songs that doesn't quite have the musical and lyrical complexity that I really super love in in the five star songs and uh, yeah songs of that ilk. Uh, but th- like they sort of found a way, f- found little little tricks and ways to make it really pop and make it cool. Um, but at a, at its heart, it's still not quite top tier, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think being on this album, it, it might have something to do with it. If it had the recording quality of Repeater or any one of the later albums, maybe it would be different. But I think being on Steady Diet, I think three point nine is uh, that's where I'm at, and I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I was thinking a little earlier, just like fantasizing about you know how would this sound if it were on a a more quote unquote produced album. Um, yeah. Well, and it, it's funny too. We were just talking about uh, Latin roots. That song, I mean, that's that's one of that's one of my early favorites from this album. One of the ones that really stuck stuck out for me. And then, if you happen to catch a video of them playing that live, the live song or the live version of it, I think is just completely different, mm. and I like it a lot more. Uh, Gee's guitar line live, I think, sounds radically different than what they what they did on the album. That's a song that's going to be coming up pretty quickly, so I guess <laughs> you'll hear my take on that pretty soon. Well, I guess we're up to uh, plugs. Colin, do you have anything going on you'd like to tell listeners or uh, failing that, just where they can find you online to uh, (laughs) yell at you at your 3.9 rating and say it should have been higher? (laughs) Yeah, you can find me on the Facebook group. Um, You can yell at me over there. (laughs) Um, Other than that, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Colin underscore Mac. So C-O-L-I-N underscore M-A-C-K. I usually just post about music or movies I'm watching or food that I'm making or local politics or something like that. And then I'm on Instagram as C-Mac underscore underscore underscore. <laughs> and that's there are a lot of it. C-Macs out there, I guess, huh? Yeah, there are. Cool. Yeah, I... Second what Colin said, head over to the Facebook group. You can catch both of us there. Chime in. We've got uh, plenty of space for listeners to contribute their thoughts to these songs. And yeah, really like hearing from uh, everybody. So yeah, go ahead and do that. You can email me also, fugazi, A to Z, at gmail.com is the email address. You are most welcome. Just uh, spout off about uh, anything you feel like. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing Last Chance for a Slow Dance. Until then, hey, keep your eyes open. Disco!